Why? How much can you know about yourself if you've never been in a fight? Wait, let me start earlier. Like many of you, I was stuck. No, you can't die from insomnia. I'd flip through catalogs and wonder, what kind of dining set defines me as a person? This is your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. Welcome. I prayed for a different life. Soap. I make and I sell soap. And this is how I met Tyler Durden. Come on, hit me before I lose my nerve. Okay. You hit me in the ear. It was on the tip of everyone's tongue. Can I be next? We just gave it a name. Gentlemen, welcome to Fight Club. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. After Fight Club, we all started seeing things differently. You're gonna have to keep me up all night. And she ruined everything. You're not into her, are you? No, God, not at all. We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be movie gods and rock stars, but we won't. He had a plan. <laughs> to what purpose? In Tyler, we trusted. I gotta take Fight Club up a notch. Each one of you has a homework assignment. You're gonna start a fight with a total stranger. That's not necessary. You're gonna lose. That hurt. You were looking for a way to change your life. You got it. I'm stopping this. It's already done, so shut up. What kind of sick game are you playing? Oh my God. In the end, you will thank me. Whoa! Whoa! Uh, hello, listeners. Uh, welcome to the Unrestricted Movie Podcast, the podcast given to you by two non-religious guys uh, watching the movies that they were told never to watch. That's right. This is the podcast about Meatloaf with your guest, Meatloaf. Meatloaf, come on in. Hi, guys. Meatloaf, welcome. Take a seat. Oh, thanks. That was, uh, that was pretty good, Ryan. What was good? Your meatloaf. That was good. I'm sorry. Hi, I'm Meatloaf. Hi, Meatloaf. Is that what he really sounds like? Yeah, that's what I sound like. Why are you talking about Meatloaf in person? (laughs) Sorry. I apologize. Uh, you know, I'm actually kind of disappointed because we talked about having meatloaf. Yeah, we we talked about cooking meatloaf, baking meatloaf, and then... And then having it during a, during the podcast, just slurping yeah. it up during the podcast. Slurping. Oh, I love what kind meatloaf. Of, what kind of meatloaf do you make, Ryan? <laughs> Very soggy meatloaf. I like mine to be the consistency of bread. Mm. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I've got to run. Thanks, meatloaf. We'll see you again hey, uh, hey, next meatloaf. time. Meatloaf, what, what did you say to me the first time I invited you here? What? The first time. The first time I invited you here. Oh, yeah. I said, I would do anything for love. But I won't do that. <laughs> okay, bye, everybody. See you, Meatloaf. Bye, Meatloaf. Mm. Wow, that was cool. That was um, unexpected, was huh? Really cool guest. Thank you. We'll, well have that to have your birthday present. Happy birthday, Josh. Thank Old you. Belated birthday. Right. I need to text Meatloaf and let him know that we appreciated him on the show today. Exactly. Um, no, this is not the podcast about Meatloaf. This is the podcast, as Josh said, about movies that are restricted for religious people. Movies that were restricted for us when we were youth and that we are now getting into especially josh we we talked a little bit in the last episode about how you saw maybe a handful of rated r movies as a kid right right this podcast revolves around me exactly yeah and i'm the the planet jupiter just rotating around you that's right because i'm fat well but you don't have man (laughs) boobs so that's 
That's a plus. Oh, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about bitch tits. <laughs> the movie today we're talking about is Fight Club, and I was pretty excited when you chose this. Uh, to be honest, um, yeah, this was one of my favorite movies as a teenager, and I think um, for the ten year anniversary, I think that was two thousand nine. I, I bought the the limited edition Blu Ray. Right on, Steelbook. Steelbook Blu Ray, I believe. Was so. it really? I oh, there you so. go, man, Steelbook. Um, it had some cool special features and some commentary from David Fincher. I was really into this movie, and then, I mean, we'll get into it, then society had to ruin it. Oh. <laughs> um, this, this isn't really a research-heavy podcast, but I, I did a little bit of research on, on the impact of this movie. Ooh. on certain groups and, and the inspiration that this movie has had on certain groups. But, I mean, Josh, what was your initial feeling once the credits started rolling on this movie? What was your initial From the feeling? beginning? Just, well, what, I mean, no, once I finished it? Once you finished it. Okay, so... First of all, I have to say, this was not the movie that I expected. I've heard many people say that they like this movie, but I had literally no idea what it was about. All I knew right. is that Brad Pitt was in it, and they were probably fighting, because the title's Fight Club. So I was, okay, so literally, I was almost expecting, like, a semi, like, sports movie. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. where people, where dudes just fight. Right, like a, okay? a boxing movie or something. Like, I don't like, Brad Pitt uh, starts uh, at the bottom. Underground of, boxing. Right, and then he, like, rises to the top by beating the shit out of people. I don't know. So, so this is not the movie that I was expecting. Right. Um, but if I, if, if I had to give this movie an elevator pitch, it would be a beautiful mind on crack. Like, <laughs> Explain. <laughs> okay. What do you mean by that? All right. Obviously a beautiful mind is about a schizophrenic guy who sees other people and spoiler. Alert. I mean, sorry. Yes. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, then go back in a time machine, like 30 years or however right. long it's been. Yeah. Well, it came out in the early aughts, I believe. Was The Beautiful Mind after Fight? Did it come out after Fight? I believe so. Um, again, not a research heavy No, no. Just <laughs> shooting the breeze. We don't know. But, so Yeah, that, that was a good movie with a twist. and then Right, a similar twist. It, I, a, a Beautiful Mind I don't find as enjoyable on the second watch. Uh-huh. Well, there aren't any people fighting each other, so... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but it's based on a true story, which... Right. Well, it's like, a fascinating movie and, right. you know, dives right. into all those, you know, mental health issues and things that are really important. But So, I mean, this this uh, movie, Fight Club, which we're exploring today, obviously is not based on a true story. I would hope not. Well, so, it's it's I mean, adapted actually from... All those buildings, you know, <laughs> blow up at the end. I think we were yeah, about it. I'm pretty sure that did not happen <laughs> pre-9-11. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, okay, so that's funny that you mentioned 9-11, though, because I had some weird 9-11 vibes during some of the um, dialogue when they're talking about how, how this generation's weak and haven't had to deal with... Well, maybe I'm thinking of something else, but I thought that they talked about that in this movie. How everybody's soft and consumer mm -hmm. because they haven't had to deal with I, war and things like that. Is that what a man looks like? <laughs> ah, Self-improvement is masturbation. Self-destruction. And th that is a thing, and we can talk about this after we go through the movie by beats, because I think it's important that we explore um, what certain groups have taken from this movie and exploited for their own benefit. Yeah, I mean, I also think if this movie was being developed two, year, two three years in the future, I think you would have had a little bit of a different movie. Sure. Does that make sense? I mean... You mean post-9-11? Post-9-11, yeah. yeah, post to pre-9-11. You know, 9-11 was a turning point. It's just changed so many things. Um, right. And what we're talking about, obviously, is the the, the last scene of the movie where the they, scene. Mm -hmm. they, they explode and collapse uh, a bunch of financial institutions 
Constitution buildings. Right. And that's where the movie ends with a, a pixie song. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I have a picture here. So this movie was adapted from a book by the author Chuck, Chuck Polyuk. I have no idea how to say his last name. But anyways, there, if you look here, I'm, I'm, I googled the book, and there is a limited edition copy of Fight Club the book. That, what, what does that look like to you, the limited edition? The black and gold one? Yeah. Okay, I mean, it looks like a holy scripture, like the Bible. It looks like the Bible, right? So I think that's intentional, and we'll get into that too. There are certain groups in this world, harmful groups, that, that literally take this book as scripture. I did not know that. And they glorify the main character, Tyler Durden, as this God character, as this inspiration, as hmm. this prophet for them. So just for our listeners, we both rewatched, or I saw it for the first time, you rewatched the movie? Yeah, let's talk about that. Okay. So you watched this for the first time. Um, did you enjoy it? Uh, I did enjoy it. It was fun. Okay. It was deep. Like, obviously, we've been talking about yeah. some of the historical significance of the time that it was made. Right. And, if you go on the Letterboxd or IMDb, uh -huh. it's always in, like, the cerebral movies list uh -huh. that people make. Well, it's interesting because it's, it's really a hybrid of a movie. Because it, it has the best of both worlds. I mean, you got guys kicking the shit out of each other. Like like sports, action, uh -huh. yeah. And then you have this really deep, like, cerebral stuff that you're, like, you're talking about. It even has elements of, like, a thriller or, like... Mist oh, well, yeah. Like, thriller Hitchcockian almost. Yeah, sure. But, yeah, like, and even elements of horror in certain scenes, I think. Like, uh, you can talk about the, the almost castration scenes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You remember those? I remember those. You're going to call up the rigorous investigation. You're going to publicly state that there is no underground group. Or these guys are going to take your balls. They're going to send one to the New York Times, one to the LA Times press release style. Look, the people you are after are the people you depend on. We cook your meals. We haul your trash. We connect your calls. We drive your ambulances. We guard you while you sleep. Do not fuck with us. Do you think that the world has always considered Brad Pitt a sex icon? <laughs> well, in my lifetime, I can't remember a time when he wasn't. Right? Like, it, it seems like he just, like, appeared in, I, on the set of Thelma and Louise, and Ridley Scott was like, that is a sex <laughs> icon. He needs to be in my movie. <laughs> Wardrobe, get over here. Take his shirt off. <laughs> So let's talk about the opening there. Okay. I wrote down Spidey intro vibes. Yes. Okay, did you yes. get that? You get that the too? Spider-Man, yeah. Spider-Man. It's like, I don't know what the weird cosmic shit is that's going with panning through or whatever, but it totally gave me like Spider-Man introduction vibes. Like yes. Sam Raimi, Spider-Man one in around the same time. Yeah. I, and I wrote too. I, I wrote this opening is very nice. It, oh gosh. <laughs> yes. So the opening here, we, it's moving through a gun barrel. Um, uh, and we open to Tyler pointing a gun at Edward Norton's character who has no name in this movie. He's only listed. Uh, so, so I watched this on Amazon prime and I believe you did too. Uh huh. You can pause the movie at any second on Amazon Prime and see the actors that are in the movie and the characters that they play. And it said, when I paused it, it said, Edward Norton, the narrator. What the fuck? He has no name in this movie. He, he has names. Do people call him a name, though? Yes, he has names that he makes up for the, the support groups. Right. 
Quite, yeah. And I think some articles refer to him as Jack. That's okay. So that's what I was thinking his name was, was Jack. But on IMDb, and according to Amazon Prime at least, he's um, listed as the narrator. Huh. So this first scene that we open up uh, with the movie is uh, Tyler Durden, Brad Pitt's character, pointing a gun at Edward Norton's character. And this is the the also the final scene of the So, um, and they're... Uh, Tyler is doing something which he calls Project Mayhem, which we'll explore a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so uh, we jump back a little bit. Edward Norton, want, the narrator, wants to tell us a little bit more about about the story. So he's in a support group for men with testicular cancer um, that have survived or that are going through it. And here we're introduced to Milo. Bob! Bob. <laughs> what about Bob? One of, our, one of our favorite characters, Bob. Bob. Bob had bitched it. <laughs> uh, what was your impression of, uh, of Bob in this movie? Um, I thought they went a little overboard with the bodysuit. They didn't have to be that big. I mean, they were like down to his knees. They were yeah, huge. Yeah, they were Does that actually incredible. happen to people? I mean... Okay, I, well, no disrespect, because obviously <laughs> there are people out there that have gone through sure. having testicular cancer or going through it. I don't want to disparage anyone, but... <laughs> I think that was a bit of a caricature. It was, it was very cartoonish. It was very cartoonish. And I mean, I laughed. I so. think Milo gave a really good performance. And I, I haven't seen him in, I think the only, I, I've seen him in, um, he was in Tenacious D, The Pick of Destiny. He played Jack Black's dad, I believe. And he was also in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay. Have you heard of that one? Heard, never seen. Okay, that might be we'll, one. We'll add it. I yeah. think it's on the list, actually. It's a musical. It's a, it's a I list. know about it. Okay. I know... Some of the I know some of the songs, I know some of the plot, a little bit of the plot, but I've never obviously I've never seen it. So, uh, what, what, what do you think about this whole going to different support groups to to fill to, to, to be able to cry basically? Because basically we're, we're introduced right. to uh, Edward Norton's character who has insomnia, right? He has not only insomnia but narcolepsy, where he falls asleep in different parts and 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 wakes up and doesn't remember what happened, right? Right. Well, and so he goes to these support yeah. groups to be able to cry so that he can sleep okay so this is also when we start seeing little weird little blips right yeah okay because that was like i had the hardest time figuring out what the hell is going on blips <laughs> is this like a ghost movie right it, so but these are all these little breadcrumbs when you have insomnia you're never really asleep and you're never really awake he's like a walking zombie have you experienced insomnia no i'm i can i could fall asleep right now really know? yeah like just like that? Have you conditioned yourself to do that, or is it just it just comes naturally? It's natural. Because I'm a heavy sleeper. I fall asleep anytime, anywhere. So yeah. no, insomnia has never been a problem for me. Have you? Do you have an, a, a like a different perspective on? I, I I wouldn't say I have a critical condition with insomnia, but. I, I do have insomnia. I, I consider myself a night owl. Mm-hmm. I um, a lot of ideas, creative ideas, come to me at night, um, and I tend to overanalyze things, and that usually happens at night. <laughs> and so it is hard for me to sleep sometimes. Um, so I, I do empathize with the character a little bit in, in that regard, um, but I have no idea what narcolepsy would be like. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like my original my original idea of narcolepsy comes from the movie Rat Race with um, oh, uh, Mr. Bean? Mr. Bean's character. <laughs> oh, who I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that guy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Edward Norton gives a really good performance. I mean, I, I think you can kind of, me as not being an insomniac, I still think you can kind of feel, you know, his pain yeah. there and like he, see into that character really well. He does give a, a good performance. You can see it on his face. You can see 
see. I, I don't know if he's a method actor where he um, like dives into like becomes what, yeah, what where he actually you know didn't sleep for days or whatever. <laughs> but it really looks like he has this condition. You can see it in his deep set eyes. Right, his face is just no emotion. It's it, he basically has the meh emoji face. <laughs> all the time <laughs> the first half of the movie yes. at least right yeah and i mean especially when, when he confronts marla toward the end of the movie after he figures out um that he is tyler durden mm -hmm. when he confronts her um at the diner you see that on his face he he reminded me of um and this uh, this is another movie that we may explore later if you want to uh there's a movie called the machinist uh it stars christian bell and Christian oh. Bell is the method actor. <laughs> right. Like right. physically, he will be as skinny as the direction needs or as fat as the direction needs. Is that the one where he became like a skeleton? He became a skeleton. I, I for that seem movie. to remember. He yeah. lost so much weight, and that's a really good movie. And then he gained a lot of weight for the for the Dick Cheney movie. <laughs> uh Vice. Vice. Yeah. I haven't seen that one either, but um, yeah, so so he he goes to these um, support groups, right? And this is where he meets Marla, played mm -hmm. by Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah, another really good performance, I thought. Um, um, so Marla is obviously a poser in, in these right. support groups, just like he is. They're both posers because yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, she shows up to the testicular <laughs> cancer support group. <laughs> I love the line later on. Wait, wait, wait. Hold, hold on, I'll tell you. We're gonna split up the week. Okay, you take lymphoma and tuberculosis. You take tuberculosis. My smoking doesn't go over at all. Okay, good, fine. <laughs> Testicular cancer should be no contest, I think. Well, right? technically, I have more of a right to be there than you. You still have your balls. I'm kidding. I don't know. Am I? Edward Norton's character realizes, like, hey, we needed to figure this out because I need sleep and yeah. I can't not go to these meetings because you're dragging me down. And so they kind of like start negotiating, like, oh, <laughs> you're gonna go to these ones, you and I'm gonna go to these. They like fight over the. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I can't remember all of, all of the different, you know, meetings. But, yeah, so. and so um, from the beginning, we're, we're kind of led into the, the point of view of, I, I guess, the, not just the main character, but both the filmmaker and the author of the book, which is a very anti-capitalist stance. Mm -hmm. um, they, um, the, the main character, the, the narrator, um, talks about, you know, buying all the shit from Ikea and, and filling his life with Ikea items and, and how empty his life is, mm -hmm. even though he's, he, you know, a major consumer in, in all these goods. And he has this line about um, if we were to explore space even further, then it would be dominated by the corporation. And, you know, the corporations would name all the new planets and the, the new settlements. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, what do you think about the, the, I guess, that message of this film? Did Just consumerism yeah. in general? Or, or about, like, the message that the film is trying to convey about consumerism? Um, I mean, I think it's relevant a relevant message, what, 20 years? over 20 years later right for sure i mean like it holds up it holds oh yeah, yeah probably now up. than before sure yeah. um things don't make you happy people true take that to heart take it to heart learn something from our podcast today the more you know p.s this is our psa everyone <laughs> go home after you listen to this today and throw away at least one item Just throw away one item hug your kids <laughs> hug your wife hug your dog but don't hug your toaster nope don't hug your television throw them away josh after we're done with this podcast throw away this new microphone you bought hell no what are we then consumers right you're consumers you're byproducts of a lifestyle obsession murder crime poverty these things don't concern me what concerns me are celebrity magazines, television with 
500 channels. Some guy's name on my underwear. Rogaine, Viagra, Olestra. Martha Stewart. Martha's polishing the brass on the Titanic. It's all going down, man. I say never be complete. I say stop being perfect. I say let, let's evolve. Let the chips fall where they may. So in our pre in our introduction to this podcast, yes, we talked a lot about religion. Yes, right. And I think we should relate each movie to our religious experience. Okay. So one of the things that I feel like is supposedly taught or supposed to be taught, or I, I guess is one of the ideals of Mormonism, is really relates to this message um, and would strike a chord with a lot of Mormons. Uh, the idea of like your stuff doesn't matter and li not living for today, but like living for afterlife, uh, the afterlife. Yes. Like uh, it's, it's a really common thing for people to talk about. Like, well, you can't take your stuff with you to heaven. Right. 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 Um, so in, in that yeah. respect, I think there are some similar messages in this movie that directly apply to Mormonism or other, you know, other Christian churches. Right. Or religion in general, I suppose. Like Christianity in general, I suppose. But then there's religions like ours. And it's not just the Mormon religion that, that does this. But religions that receive money and tithing from, from parishioners. Mm -hmm. And that money is used to create these opulent grand buildings with, you know, the interior design would, you know, compete with the Taj Mahal on some level. Right. I mean, for any listeners that are interested, go Google the net worth of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints yeah. and you'll, Just, you'll see what we are yeah. talking about here. Well over a hundred billion dollars. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's a really good point. Um, that, you know, the, 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 our, our post-religious point of view, I think helps us analyze these things a little bit better. Sure. But, um, so I just had to throw that in there. No. Because, because I, I, I'm trying to, I'm looking at these movies from a perspective of, um, why was I not allowed to watch these movies? Right. But also, you know, trying to relate. I'm just, I'm trying to relate to my previous experiences and also to my newfound, uh, I suppose, non-religiosity and just, I, I don't know. I think it's worthwhile to right. dig around in there a little bit. And, but, and I think the answer that I've come up with for myself personally is that um, I was told not to watch these things because they present a, a different perspective mm -hmm. than what the, the church teaches. And um, I mean, everyone, I, I think everyone should expose themselves to different perspectives. Absolutely. It, it, it's interesting, though, because this movie takes that idea of um, not being your purpose, not being to accumulate things. Right. But like to a, an extreme. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so uh, Edward Norton's character is in um, another support group for cancer survivors. And uh, in this scene, we have um, a vision that he has where he's envisioning himself in a cave. Yes, the cave. Did this remind you of Super Mario 64? <laughs> because it did me. <laughs> the penguin. Yes, the penguin, yeah, right? I, mean, I don't know if they ripped off Nintendo or what during this, but <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't think of that in the moment, but I see where you're going. Like, he does look like the penguin from Mario. Right, and the penguin tells him to slide, which I think is the theme of this movie, just a, a backslide into destruction. Pretty much. <laughs> he does slide. And so um, uh, the narrator confronts Marla, who he calls the big Taurus. Um, she appears in his cave so he, he basically can't get sleep because because she oh. is ruining his vibe in the support right. group okay i have to so a parallel to another movie sorry you, you made a connection to mario yes. what about um adam sandler's happy place and happy gilmore right <laughs> think of a place that's really perfect your own happy place go there and all your anger will just disappear then putt happy place Happy place. 
your happy place. And then Marla ruins his happy place, <laughs> like Gene Simmons. Oh, I haven't seen that movie in so long. So good. Oh yeah, so the, good. The, the Gene Simmons tongue. That's right. Yeah, right. Anyway, so another. Weird. There's another <laughs> fun connection. Yeah, that totally reminded me about uh, Happy Gilmore's Happy Place. But uh, I don't know. That was a um, I'll, I'll have kind to of a fun that moment movie. of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> that was one of his good ones. <laughs> yeah. And so um, he confronts Marla, and, and this is where they have the, the pick your days mm -hmm. conversation. Um, Marla steals clothes from a laundromat to sell them. <laughs> this is kind of a uh, tells us about the kind of you know poverty that she's living in, where she has to do things like this. Later on in the movie, she steals food from a uh, um, donation truck. That's right. <laughs> yes. She so she's obviously in extreme poverty. Um, um, and she is dealing with lack something. of a moral compass. Of some kind. Of that. And uh, yeah, I, 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 we don't get a lot of um, but you know, depth of character from her. She's but kind of redeemed a little bit in the towards the end of the movie. How so? Her character. Because she tries. Oh, sure. How she rejects him. She, well, she what? gets done dirty in this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? So regardless of her whatever moral compass or what she her negative the negative aspects of that character, right? You it, the, the script kind of flips on her character. I feel like towards the latter half of the movie, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, women don't play a big part in this movie. Um, there's a. Are you aware of the Bechdel test? No. Okay, so the Bechdel test is a is um, uh, a test that. Basically, um, to see if two female characters in a movie talk to each other, and but not about a man. And most well, movies, like over 90% of test. movies, fail the test. What's the purpose of the test or the meaning of the test? The purpose of the test oh, then, is to give more meaningful roles okay. to, to female actors, more meaningful stories about, about, um, about women. Mm -hmm. um, but there's an awesome podcast with Jamie Loftus and, and Caitlin Durante. Uh, they're both comedians. Um, it's called Bechdel Cast. And they review movies um, oh, every awesome. week um, in the scope of the Bechdel Cast. Okay. So, oh, right. I think that's awesome. Yeah. So um, Edward Norton's character, the narrator, gets Marla's phone number. And uh, this comes into the prevalence later on. Um, uh, they both basically, I, I wrote my notes, they both basically hope for death in any moment. There are certain scenes in this movie, certain lines in, in this movie, that are very, very just dark. Like, like the, the, Well, like the phone call, when she calls him, at the, I mean, we're kind of, I'm kind of jumping forward, sorry, this is you're, past you're the timeline that you're setting up here, but we, we can get to that later. Yeah, but I mean, there, there's certain lines in this movie where they're almost su suicidal, mm -hmm. they're, they're hoping for death as, as kind of a release from the pain that they're feeling. I mean, they do fight each other for fun. Yeah. <laughs> beat the shit out of each other. So. <laughs> and so after um, he gets Marla's phone number, um, this is where um, uh, Edward Norton's character starts talking about his job as a, as a car recall coordinator. On a long enough timeline, the survival rate for everyone drops to zero. I was a recall coordinator. My job was to apply the formula. Here's the infant went to the windshield. Three points. A new car built by my company leaves somewhere traveling at 60 miles per hour. 
The rear differential locks up. Uh, the teenager's braces are wrapped around the backseat ashtray. Might make a good anti-smoking ad. The car crashes and burns with everyone trapped inside. Now, should we initiate a recall? The father must have been huge. You see where the fats burn to the seat with the polyester shirt? Very modern art. <laughs> Take the number of vehicles in the field, A, multiply it by the probable rate of failure, B, then multiply the result by the average out-of-court settlement, C. A times B times C equals X. If X is less than the cost of a recall, we don't do one. Are there a lot of these kinds of accidents? You wouldn't believe. It's kind of a sleazy job. With this, with this job, though, he travels to a lot of places, and he's always waking up in a new place. Um, and he's got he, seemingly no friends. Like, he is alone, right? Like, mm -hmm. we're not introduced to any family, any friends. He lives a lonely life. And um, this is where, while he's on a flight, we meet Tyler Durden. Dun, dun, dun. Brad Pitt's character. Turning point in the movie. So, what did you think of uh, the introduction of Brad Pitt's character? Tyler. Um, I thought it was interesting that he made soap. <laughs> he has a briefcase full of soap. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it's kind of random. So you actually, you see him a couple of times before he actually talks to Brad Pitt's, Brad Pitt's character on the plane. Yeah. You see him and going up and down, a, yeah, up and down the escalator, except the blips are longer. Oh, was he? I, I, I missed the escalator part. So if you go back... There's a scene before the they talk to each other where some and some random airport when he's going up an escalator. Okay. So you're kind of seeing the blips become more than blips now. But I on, but when I first was seeing the blips, I didn't make the connection. Like it didn't look like right. It seemed Brad Pitt's it seemed character. Like it was like they sliced one frame yes. of Brad Pitt into the into the film reel. Right. And so you you mentioned uh, he he makes soap and that was interesting but yeah. No, I mean he's he's like the polar opposite. They're they're polar opposites, right? He's he is I mean obviously we gave away the spoiler for the film and if you haven't, if you don't know about the spoiler after this long then Sorry. please go see the movie. <laughs> but they're the same person. Uh, Brad Pitt, Tyler Durden represents the id of right. Edward Norton's character, who we don't have the name of. Um, he is basically the alpha to Edward Norton's beta, mm -hmm. which is a lot there. That that was messy coming out of my mouth, and I almost threw up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so but you mentioned he makes soap. That's an interesting aspect of his life, but. Almost immediately after saying that, he talks about how soap can be um, used to make napalm, to make explosives, right. dynamite. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so Isn't that's kind of a, a little foresight into what happens later. So, I mean, so yeah, Edward Norton's character, is, you know, he does small talk. He's mm -hmm. uh, all, He follows all these social norms yes. that we all follow. Yes. And then Brad Pitt's character is like, fuck everybody. Right. You know, is, he's, <laughs> do, do, no... do, do, do I give this person the butt or the crotch while I pass? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, so it's it's interesting to see the juxtaposition there, but then also they're the yeah. same person. Well, you find out later they're the same person. So yeah. I mean, who's who's more the actual person? Is it Edward Norton's character or Brad Pitt? Right. So, uh, anyways, he he gets home from the flight, and what does he find at his apartment? <laughs> it blows up. His well, apartment, apartment blows up. is gone. It's kaput. Okay. So so I I thought. For sure, like from the moment that happened, that Brad Pitt was in charge of blowing up his apartment. Yeah, because who else, right? Like, right. It wasn't an accident. Well, there was, was an accident. There was uh, an explanation given of the pilot light uh, on the stove being uh, left on or something, mm -hmm. and then gas spilling out, and then 
um, it exploding that way. But yeah, I mean, you're, you're, it's very suspicious, right? Of course. And so he has, like we mentioned before, no friends, no family. So he tries to call Marla first. He has her phone number and he, she answers. He doesn't say anything. And she goes, I, I hear you breathing. <laughs> And he just hangs up because he barely knows this woman. Um, but he calls Tyler Durden's character, who apparently he trusts more. Who's this? Tyler? Who is this? Um, <clears throat> we, met, we met on the airplane. We had the same suitcase. Uh, the clever guy. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Uh, I called a second ago. There, there was no answer. I'm, I'm at a payphone. Yeah, I start six nine. Do I never pick up my phone? So what's up? Uh, well, you're not gonna believe this. So you you mentioned when you figured out the twist. Yeah. Okay. So I wrote those down. When I figured out the big. So there's actually two twists. Sure. There's more than one twist because the first twist is. Um, <laughs> Are you sure there's I more think, than one? Yeah. Probably drank a little. We're, we're drinking mojitos here. Sorry. Um, by the way, um, there are two twists. There's, the first twist is that he finds out that Brad Pitt blew up his apartment. Yeah. Because uh, Tyler Durden, Brad Pitt's character, before he tells him, right. tells him before we find out that they're the same person, tells him, "Oh yeah, I blew up your apartment." Yeah. Um. So that I feel like that was kind of like the first big twist sure. okay. in the like in the movie. That's yeah. fair. But then I'll be, you know the second twist is that he finds out that they're the same person. So, one minute. 27, or one hour. <laughs> one hour, 27. One hour, 27 minutes into the movie, I wrote down on my in my notes that he's a schizo. Brad Pitt's not real. That's pretty good. That was I mean, twist. that was maybe the just a little bit past the halfway point. Yeah. I mean, it's kind this of a, is a, a long fairly long movie. movie. Yeah. What do you want me to do? You just want me to hit you. Come on. It's one fake. Why? Why? I don't know why. I don't know. Never been in a fight. You? No, but that, that's a good thing. No, it is not. How much can you know about yourself if you've never been in a fight? I don't want to die without any scars. So come on, hit me before I lose my nerve. Oh, God, this is crazy. So go crazy. Let her rip. Hey, I don't know about this. I don't either. But who gives a shit? No one's watching. What do you care? Wait, what? This is crazy. You want me to hit you? That's right. What? Like in the <laughs> face? <laughs> Surprise me. Yeah. So Edward Norton like. <laughs> Karate chop slaps him or whatever. In the ear. Weak ass thing he does like in the ear. Oh yeah, he hits him in the ear. He's like, hit me in the ear. And then Brad Pitt like punches him. And then uh, they, what, after they beat the, the shit out of each other, yeah. some guys walk out and then that's just like the fight club is born, right? So, so in the Ed, parking lot. Ed, Edward Norton is just like, we need to do this again, man. Oh yeah. And, right. <laughs> I mean, this was like the release that he needed. Mm -hmm. And this is very interesting because um, I was watching... I don't remember what the YouTube video was called, but um, I think it was a Vsauce video, um, his his premium channel video. And it was talking about aggression and how people deal with aggression. And um, it was exploring whether it's better to meditate to get rid of aggression or to just release the aggression through violence. Mm -hmm. And so it explored people going into this room with a baseball bat and just breaking shit, you know, like, like there would be glass, Bases and, and and paintings and, and they could just do whatever they want with that baseball bat in this room and be as aggressive as they want <laughs> and they would have like you know five or ten minutes to just get all their aggression out. Mm -hmm. and I'm not gonna lie, that sounds pretty. 
It sounds fun as hell, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I would I would like to do that. But um, I think there needs to be more studies done on, on hmm. what is, is well, more. What was the res- what were the findings of the study? I, 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 I think the findings of the study were that meditation is better. Oh, okay. Um, and that letting your aggression out uh, through violence doesn't necessarily make you a less violent person. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so they started this fight club and basically we're introduced to a little bit of backstory. They, uh, Edward Norton's character uh, breaks the fourth wall and and talks to the audience. Yeah, I love the scene. I have to introduce Brad Pitt's background. Yeah. Well, I I really like this scene. It it changes the pace of the movie. Yeah. Um, And it it really... caught me off guard yeah. because you're used to this narrate <laughs> you're used to this narration but then he's narrating to you yeah he right. breaks the fourth wall he's narrating to you right what brad pitt's character is doing right. in the movie but and then <laughs> of course it, it, you know blows your mind because then you go to the end and realize that it was in person he's like narrating himself it's right. like no but i i really like that that part of it's, the movie. it's a very interesting scene i mean uh edward norton goes through his many jobs right uh he talks about him being a projectionist mm-hmm. which i can really too. I, I was a projectionist at a dollar theater, and it, it shows how uh, Brad Pitt's character would splice in porno images into kids' movies. Like one frame, one frame of, of a porn of a of a dong into a kids' movie, um, and it, it, and then he had had another job as a like a major de- or no like a like a waiter at a hotel, right and. It basically showed how he just disrupts the the normal day to day work ethic. Like he, he would, as a as a waiter, he would pee in the in the soup in the soup or whatever in, in the soup. Right. And, uh, he does all the things you shouldn't do, right? Right. Right. Like run red light, which you have never done on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, as you said, the Fight Club gets more members, and they use fighting instead of crying. Um, most of these people have. Uh, uh, like we're, we're introduced to a, a little bit of um, the narrator's background and how he has daddy issues. That's oh yeah, you're right. But like when they're speaking in the bathroom, uh, Brad Pitt's in the bathtub. Edward Norton's there. He's there talking about his dad, and they share a lot of similarities mm-hmm. with their with their background about their dad missing. And so they have daddy issues. They have whew, a lot of toxic masculinity, um, especially Brad Pitt's character. And, and here's the thing that, that I want to explore mostly with this movie is the, the idea of whether Brad Pitt's character is supposed to be idolized or demonized. <sighs> and obviously with my ideologies, he is not a good role model. Well, uh, here, well here's the thing, right? Because there, I think you're looking at two extremes in both directions. Sure. I think I think obviously the goal is to be somewhere in the middle of those two sure. characters. Yeah. But let me relate. I'm going to relate this again to religion and coming out of religion. Yes. Because I, I really uh, identified with Edward's Nor- Edward Norton's character. Yeah. Uh, his beginning, the way he begins the movie, like his character arc. Yeah. Um, he's sort of naive and I don't know. He called, there's a point in the movie where he calls himself a 30 year old boy. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I, I feel like I was in that same position myself when I was in religion. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I feel like I was an adult boy in religion. I, I still feel that way, e- even being out of religion for for so many five plus years. I still feel a sense of arrest, arrested development. Right. Yeah. So I, I identified with his character, and now I feel like I'm seeing a new side to my life, moving past Mormonism. Yeah. And I'm, I'm opening up more as myself, letting in, right. you know, Brad Pitt's character a little bit, but not 
obviously not like a toxic to way. To the extreme. Not to the extreme, right? Right. But you, you, like I said, you, ha- you have to find that balance between like following social norms, but also being true to who you are yeah. and being an open person and hell, not suppressing your emotions. Right. Right. And, and doing something about them, being, allowing yourself to feel them and to be open and, uh, with other people and to share that with other people. Right. So um, as more members come into this, this, uh, this club, I guess we'll call it a club at this point. Eventually it becomes a cult, but right now it's just a club. Um, <laughs> What's the first rule, Ryan? Well, before we get there. Okay. So they go to this bar and this bartender, I, 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 I looked at this actor and he wasn't really familiar, but did did he or did he not look like Dwight Yoakam? I, like a lot, right? Like 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 the sideburns. <laughs> Okay, so 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 the folk singer okay. Dw- Dwight Yoakam, or like the the character that Joaquin Phoenix plays in uh, Inherent Vice, I believe is the movie. Um, I don't know. Th- this guy looks like a, a, a Neil Young type. Neil Young. <laughs> I, I I just thought like, wow, that's a that's a really familiar looking guy. But I I looked him up on IMDb and I didn't recognize any of his credits. Hmm. It was weird. Right. Anyway, so yeah, the first and second rule of Fight Club are don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> Um, so I guess we'll uh, end the podcast there because we broke the first rule of Fight Club. Oh, the first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Second rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Third rule of Fight Club, someone yells stop, goes limp, taps out, the fight is over. Fourth rule, only two guys to a fight. Fifth rule, one fight at a time, fellas. Sixth rule, no shirts, no shoes. Seventh rule, fights will go on as long as they have to. And the eighth and final rule, if this is your first night at Fight Club, you have to fight. So Marla calls, um, and Tyler, Brad Pitt's character, answers. They have this sex scene. So this is one of the the rated R portions of the movie. Very scandalous. It's blurry. I mean, (laughs) very blurry, yeah. It's kind of psychedelic. It was filmed really like in a, like, oh, these people are on acid type. Okay, so I, this was the point in the movie when I kind of started thinking like there's something weird here between yeah. Brad Pitt's character and Edward Norton's character. Yeah. And it started moving me towards that, oh, they're the same person. Because you, you get the idea that he that Edward Norton participates in it, but then he doesn't remember it the next morning. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he thinks wait it's a, a minute. He thought it was a dream. Right. Yeah. But it was, I mean, I don't know, it seemed real enough. And then so, he, he asks Marla to leave. Yeah. <laughs> and she's <laughs> like, what the f- confuses her? Because, like, <laughs> they had this really awesome sex the previous night, and then he's just like, okay, you need to, you need to go. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I think that was my, the first really big clue to the to that but yeah like his condition is so disassociative that he can't even enjoy the basic pleasures of sex or just most things <laughs> so anyway so so we get a, a peek into uh, the office space that, that Edward Norton's uh, work so oh yeah he, he shows up to work with bruises from the from the fight club <laughs> and um, he's also being investigated at this point for blowing up his own apartment and uh, we're noticing that Tyler and Marla are never in the same room together. So again, we're getting clues mm-hmm. about them being the same person. Um, and then also um, going back to Tyler making soap, this is where we get some scenes about them retrieving human fat <laughs> to make soap. Pretty repulsive. 
This was the worst scene in the movie for me. So they're they're retrieving the fat and it gets caught on a chain link fence and it just ugh, pours yeah, everywhere. Gross, man. Yeah. And so Tyler goes, without pain, without sacrifice, we are nothing. Um and then um Oh, this is where, where um Tyler pours lie, the chemical lie onto Edward Norton's hand. What do you think of this was an intense scene. It was so it was very intense. Let's I talk mean he's screaming, writhing in pain, and Brad Pitt's character is like, you just have to let go, and just like, just go with the pain, and it's like, it was hard, it was a, probably, that was probably the hardest scene to watch in the movie. Yeah. Or in, yeah. The, in the film. It, it did make me cringe. Like, that was cringing. Associated pain. <laughs> but, I, yeah. And then he it's has a turning point of the movie. He has a line that can be linked to uh, our religious background. He says, Have you considered the possibility that God doesn't like you? <laughs> and we don't need him. <laughs> and it's only after we lost everything that we're free to do anything. Right. I, yeah. I like that line. After losing, only after losing everything are you free to do anything. Yeah. I, he, he, I think there was another line where he says, Losing all hope is freedom. Sure. Yeah. So similar idea. But um, it's like when you finally don't give a shit, you're completely free. Yeah. So, but yeah, that was a painful scene to watch. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, and so, uh, the narrator, Edward Norton's character, gets a call from Marla to come to her place to check her breast for lumps because she's worried about having breast cancer. And she's so poor she can't go to the doctor because she's impoverished. Again, a, a commentary about uh, the American medical care system. Um, at this point, Bob appears again. Bob! What about Bob, Brian? Hey guys! <laughs> no. Oh wait, wait, Milo, come on! Hey, I came back. Hey, hey, how's it going? I want to see how your podcast is doing. Mm. It's been over an hour now. Well, that's good. <laughs> okay, any uh, Milo, if we wanted to know about your uh, your your commentary about your scenes, we're we're talking about a scene where you showed up and you uh, you talked to Edward Norton's character. Oh yeah, <laughs> I remember. Right, this is the part where you reveal that you're part of Fight Club too, right? Yeah, and 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 I, I I'm part of Fight Club, and, and I. But you to... broke the rule, man. You're not supposed to talk about it. Oh yeah, yeah, that was bad. <laughs> Anyways, I gotta go. Bye, guys. Hey, see ya. Yeah. Bye, Milo. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? <laughs> So yeah, we find out that Bob is a member a member of Fight Club, and um, just a, a tangent here, but th they made a video game, <laughs> um, I believe, on the original Xbox mm -hmm. uh, Fight Club video game. They and, did, and Meatloaf was a character. <laughs> That's crazy! I did not know they made a video game for that. <laughs> so the the Fight Club grows, and we begin to see the formations of a cult. Uh, and uh, Tyler being the leader of the cult, mm -hmm. right? And uh, we see some recognizable actors here. We see Jared Leto. <laughs> That's right. Uh, speaking of cults, <laughs> wow, we did you know he has? He basically has a cult. So, oh, so, he does. Yeah. So, I mean, he more than an actor. He's uh, he's the lead singer of Thirty Seconds. Right. Of I knew that. He, um, but basically, he has. I don't know if it's like a. a, a I don't know. I have to read more into it, but it's some pretty culty, no, cultish behavior that he has with some from of his fans. His research in this role for his movie <laughs> or something. But yeah, he's got some weird, like platinum hair and eyebrows in this movie. He was almost unrecognizable to me. Yeah, and I think in the credits he's listed as uh, uh, what was it? pretty face or something, Blondie or something, <laughs> angel face, angel face. Angel yes, face. angel. Well, his face today. Has an angel for me long. And then at this point in the, in the Fight Club, Lou of Lou's Tavern shows up. Mm -hmm. He's the owner of the, the 
the bar here. He beats the shit out of Edward Norton's character. Uh, no, Brad Pitt. Oh, out of Brad Pitt's character. Okay, you're right, you're right. And wow, this was a good performance by Brad Pitt, just being crazy and psychotic. Psychotic. Yeah. Yeah. Bleeding on on Lou's face, and then Lou agrees to let them have their fight club there. Um, And then this is when it really is a cult, because uh, Tyler gives the first... Exactly. The first homework assignment is to start a fight with the stranger. Oh, this part was great. This was a good comedic scene. It was. That was a good change of pace. Uh, we have of heaviness in the movie. One guy with a hose who <laughs> the priest points, points the hose at a priest <laughs> and gets the priest. Oh, but okay, but you missed another part of it. Not just start a fight with um with a random person, but you they have to win. The other yes. person has. They have to let the other person win. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, just. To, just a great like interruption to yeah the the, the violence and I mean uh, there's some violence here but it's it's just a, a, a good comedic scene yeah it's a, a lighter tone to the you know <laughs> overall and then after this uh, we got some more um, office scenes where the the narrator Edward Norton's character is fired and he beats himself up yeah like a, a Jim Carrey liar liar style hell except a little more dramatic <laughs> yeah he beats the shit out of himself and exploits his boss and and uh, frames his boss yeah like in the moment extorts money to pay for the fight club to pay for his uh, for project man and their um, first corporate sponsor <laughs> <laughs> this was a, a, a just a great another great scene i mean edward norton who knew that he was so good at beating the shit out of himself yeah i mean because we, we come back we, we have flashbacks to other scenes where yeah um uh brad pitt is being beat up and he's beating himself or you know it's like so yeah you, you get a little bit more on the flashbacks to the previous scenes in the movie but yeah i mean and uh, I don't know, I, it's so it's such a physical like <laughs> i throw it literally throwing yourself around it's, it's a really well done scene by him for sure but back in this time in the late 90s i was really into mtv and um i i, I would watch the the VMAs the the video music award or no no the movie awards the MTV movie award and um, this scene was nominated for the best fight scene for that year. <laughs> So like the irony, all the, scenes, the irony. All, all the other scenes were between two people, but this was the only one. That's awesome. One person was. Did he win? I he might have. He should have. He should. Um, but anyways, he it works. He's able to extort this money to pay for the operation, um, and then the members of the cult are given more assignments to basically cause chaos mm-hmm. in the corporate sector. Um, you, I think the ne- I think one of the ones after the beating. Having starting a fight is the yeah. human sacrifices. So I think the scene you're you're talking about is where Brad Pitt basically does a hate crime <laughs> against right. an Asian American. Um, this was an, a very uncomfortable scene, especially now, especially with I mean hate crimes in 2020 and especially uh, this year. I think they have gone up against Asian Americans um, with the the COVID virus right. and then just people being ignorant and and blatantly racist. Um, but yeah, this was a very uncomfortable scene where Brad Pitt um, goes into the this uh, bodega, this this uh, convenience store, uh, drags out uh, an Asian American uh, person and says, "What are you doing with your life?" Points a gun at him and says, "You are going to die tonight." Uh, what did you want to do with your life? He says he wanted to be a veterinarian. But it's like, <laughs> is, is is he really going to find more happiness as a veterinarian than he is in the? You never like, know. You never know. You don't know. Like this was a really weird but I, scene for me. It goes back to this idea of a. Evolving into a new person, yeah. 
like Edward Norton's character I mean, does. So going from doing what you feel like you have to do, changing the course of your life to do, I don't know, whatever your passion is. At this point, after the <laughs> the, the hate crime, after the, the man escapes, who knows what happens to him, uh, we see a little bit of film burn, where the, the film is like this burn effect, and I'm not sure exactly why that happens. Is it like the circle where they change the reels thing? No, it wasn't at, like that. at this point it's like an actual burning. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. I must have missed that. Right. So, and, and then uh, after this, they um, are recruiting more cult members um, where members of the Fight Club stand on the porch for hours on it. And Three are, days. And they're interrogated and knows what else uh, used in some ways. Um, or like a bishop's interview. Sorry. <laughs> Very much like a, a bishop's interview in, in the Mormon church. <laughs> have you been touching yourself? <laughs> no, sir. So, yes, sorry. sir. I mean, yes, sir. Uh, sobs. Yeah. No. Initiation, basically, is what Initiation, you know, we're talking yeah. about. And so uh, the narrator, Edward Norton's character, realizes soon that the cult has been operating in a way that's very criminal. Uh, Project Mayhem ha is way beyond his imagination at this point. <laughs> it's just out of control. Um, Jared Leto's character gets his ass beat by Edward Norton because Edward Norton becomes jealous of him getting too much attention from Brad Pitt's character. Who's not real. Who's not real. Who is so, himself. I mean, he's, so unra Angel. he's unraveling right at this point. So Angel Face Leto loses some teeth here. <laughs> no longer is Angel Face. Um, and then, I mean, things keep sliding backwards. We we get a scene where they're driving in a car. Edward Norton and Brad Pitt are, are discussing philosophy. And they, uh, the two members in the back are like, what is happening? Oh... And they end, up, yeah. they end up crashing the car. And at this point, Tyler, Tyler leaves. You know, and Colt is now a full-fledged terrorist organization. Yeah. <laughs> the operation is out of Edward Norton's start, You know, they start with vandalism and things. Yeah. And then they, but then they go after like the police chief. Right. And during you know, one, intimidate him. During one operation, um, Bob gets shot. Bob. And they bring his body to the to the house, and I mean he's dead. He was shot in the head, and Ed, Edward Norton's like, "That was Robert Paulson. That was his name." And the cult is like, "Yes, he was Robert Paulson." <laughs> it's their new his mantra. Name, his name was Robert Paulson, and from this time forward, anytime a cult member dies, they <laughs> chant the same thing. His name was Robert Paulson. <laughs> Psycho. Oh, it's fun. Well, I, one one funny thing is that every time Edward Norton does something crazy, to, like says something crazy to a cult member, they're just like, oh yes, this is a test. <laughs> this is a test of my faith, <laughs> of my fealty to you, whatever you say. Yeah, yeah. They just like go, they just go along with his craziness. It's weird. Right. Like, like when, so, so at this point, Edward Norton's character becomes kind of a detective and trying to find Tyler. And um, like you say, because Tyler has run off or something. You know, they had a disagreement. He thinks that Tyler left. Right. So right. He, he, he finds out he is Tyler. Tyler returns in, in um, one of the hotel room, rooms. He returns and appears to Edward Norton with a different hairstyle. He has a buzz cut now. Mm -hmm. Kind of like more militant. Well, also just kind of like all, all the other cult members had kind of shaved their heads at this point. So he was kind of like uniformity, uniformly yeah. just with them at this point. And so the changeover happens. And like you say, um, Edward Norton confronts one of the members. Um, and the, the guy is like, is this a test? The, the guy with <laughs> the, 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 the neck, neck brace. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so at this point, the narrator knows that he is 
Tyler and he um, kind of knocks himself out kind of like like puts himself to sleep in the hotel room and at this point Tyler goes missing again Brad Pitzker and so uh, Edward Norton uh, in the next scene he finds Marla he on on, on the street on, on the sidewalk and they go to a, a diner and he's telling her everything that he knows he he's saying something bad is about to happen right um, yes I, I have a uh, split personality and my other personality is doing some bad shit and he's got this cold and he's trying to warn her right yeah and so uh after this he tries to he goes to the police station and he tries to get arrested <laughs> and this is um whew, this is one of the horror scenes i talked about this was very scary <laughs> <laughs> well i mean it's also it's so eerie because you you find out also after he basically confesses to everything and uh, you know gives himself up, that the, 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 this cult runs so deep, yeah. like it's so big yeah. that even the, the three police officers mm -hmm. are involved and and right. they are part of the cult. Right. I really admire what you're doing. What? You're a brave man to word it is. You're a genius, sir. You said if anyone ever interferes with Project Mayhem, even you. We gotta get his balls. It's useless to fight. It's really a powerful gesture, Mr. Durden. It'll set quite an example. You're making a big mistake, fellas. You said you'd say that. I'm not Tyler Durden! You told us you'd say that, too. And he almost gets emasculated, castrated by the police. He escapes there. He breaks into the financial building, um, and there are vans... There's a van rigged with explosives in the in the garage area yeah. of the financial building. Um, supposedly, a court, this, this is where Brad Pitt's character shows up again. Right. And supposedly, uh, the building is empty. There's no chance of... Um, uh, human collateral damage, apparently. According to Brad Pitt's According character. According to Brad Pitt's character. And uh, Tyler Durden, Brad Pitt, starts beating the shit out of Edward Norton. Again. <laughs> Again. <laughs> um, and this is where we go back to the, the beginning scene. We come full circle. Marla arrives on the bus. She's being escorted by some of the cult members. And the narrator, in order to get rid of Tyler, shoots himself in the cheek, in the mouth. Like, it yeah, like in the throat. the throat. I don't know how the logic works here. Well, it messed up his, like, vocal. <laughs> like, he had a weird voice. Like, it right. messed up his voice. So but, yeah, so, so anyway. Edward Norton survives. Yeah. But Tyler's dead. And um, so the cult members bring Marla up to see him, and they watch the explosion of the building. And credits. <laughs> after, after one yeah. more frame of, of Dong. <laughs> right. I was probably more than one frame, though, because you did notice it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. True. It had to have been more than one frame. Oh, so, I mean, you, you talked about your initial thoughts, but let's get into overall thoughts about this movie. Okay. And what you want to talk about. Well, we learned a few lessons from this movie. Sure. Um, we learned that Edward Norton is really good at kicking the shit out of himself. <laughs> really um, good. Uh, really great. I, great. I, I don't know how he did it. Yeah. Um, this is uh, the security camera footage, like where he's dragging himself. That seems really weird. Mm -hmm. Like just looking Maybe at it. Maybe they had some cable set up. Right. It's like um, cr Crouching Tiger. But that was a win. Like, no, the action sequences in this movie, the fighting, all of that is a win. I, I thought that was really well done. Yeah. Really good. Um, I think we could talk for days about the big broad themes and um about this movie and i will we, we've spent a, a bit of time talking about them but sure the ones that, that, there's certain things i want to go over a little bit yeah but, um i think the big ones for me were just consumerism as a whole and yeah. how um I, I how negative uh they portray that in this movie it's very anti-capitalist anti-capitalist um there are the mental health themes that are in this movie mm -hmm. are that are very important and relevant 
uh, yeah. 20 years later. And then, um, I don't know. I think that's where I, right. those two big things that I noticed. But I, I think we should explore whether this movie glorifies or demonizes toxic masculinity in a way that, because here, so I, I have this Vice article that I read. Mm-hmm. Uh, the name of the article is How Fight Club Became the Ultimate Handbook for Men's Rights Activists. And so, okay. okay, so there's this movement, the men's rights movement that uh, uh, sprang up, like the, the Red Pill subreddit, where basically uh, you can call them incels, you can call them just the uh, mostly alt-right thinking people who glorify toxic masculinity. So the, this Red Pill group, um, they basically see this movie as the glorification of the alpha male, okay. as opposed to the beta male. Um, and this article says that, uh, according to one user it shows the struggles of a man who goes uh, through these struggles when swallowing the red pill it shows the denials and fear from straying from the beaten path um, uh, David Fincher had a quote here in this article uh, in an interview after the movie came out said we're designed to be hunter and we're in a society of shopping there's nothing to kill anymore there's nothing to fight nothing to overcome nothing to explore that societal emasculation this everyman is created. I guess he's referring to Edward Norton's character being the everyman, beta male. Um, <laughs> but I, I think what these uh, alt-right groups cling to is the idea of a man being one thing, being a hunter, being a provider. Yeah. So I think I think my stance on this is I, I don't ad- adhere to, or I try really hard not to adhere to black and white thinking. I don't think in many, many cases that you have to have one thing or the other. I don't think that you have to be either an alpha male or a beta male. And, and, and so, I don't know. I don't think it's that clear and, and black and white and you know what as that's people called? portray that. You know what that's called? That's called inclusivity. <laughs> right. That's yeah, just you being exactly. inclusive. And that's all that, um, you know, rational thinkers mm-hmm. are asking for is for people to be inclusive of, of other people. And uh, a lot of groups that, a lot of hate groups are exclusive in nature. And we can talk about um, the patriarch, uh, you know, the patriarchy of religion. Mm-hmm. But most religions are patriarchal in nature and don't provide an inclusivity beyond that. But anyway, so I mean, a, a lot of a lot of these hate groups just clinged on to this film and, and really just kind of it didn't ruin it for me. But it just kind of uh, what these groups do a lot of the time is they take something so so benign, like, benign but not well. They I, twist it to align with whatever their beliefs are, right? Like confirmation bias. Like they watch right. the movie. Oh, this is about what I'm passionate about. Yes. Obviously. That must have been what the director intended. One of the funny things that this movie has led to <laughs> is the creation of religious fight clubs. Hell yeah. Let's go. <laughs> so there are certain um, churches that sprang up <laughs> since this movie has come out um, that call themselves fight clubs. And they don't necessarily fight. Okay. But um, there's one uh, called the Passion City Church. Um I don't know where it's originated from, but they have four tenets of the fight club. Oh, they have four rules. Four rules. Okay. The four, four rules are, we want to fight for our walk with God. Number two, we want to fight for our heart and character. Number three, we want to fight for our family, future family. Number four, we want to fight for our brother. Okay. And so, I mean, it's a it's a man's club. It's okay. kind of a, a no girls allowed treehouse type club. Yeah, it's very just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, but- 
Um, yeah, I mean, this, this is the history of this film. Um, I, I do feel that there is some sort of obsession that certain hateful groups have with this film. And I want to say, as a David Fincher fan, as a Brad Pitt fan, as a cinema fan, just enjoy the damn film. It's a good movie! Just, there are things you can criticize about it. Sure. Are, are you not entertained? <laughs> but it's a good story. It's, it has a good anti-consumerism message. Yeah. Um, well... But yeah, I think we're about done. Just <laughs> enjoy the art, people. That's what it, I mean, did, did, enjoy the movie. Now, you were saving something. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, there's a great part of this movie. I think that there are a couple parts that go along these lines, but there's this great part of the movie where I believe it's Brad Pitt, his character, asks Edward Norton a question. Yeah. Um, he asks him, who would you want to fight? <laughs> like, what celebrity would you want to fight? Or what historical figure would you want to fight? Okay, so... I want to pose those quest that question to us, <laughs> and uh, Ryan, I want to know. I, I want to know. Let's do celebrity and All historical right. figure, okay? All right. So, Ryan, I want to know what first. Let's start with celebrity. What celebrity would you want to fight? Now, as I stall to think of the answer, <laughs> I, I'm reminded of another MTV show that I watched back in, in the late '90s, early aughts, um, Celebrity Deathmatch. <laughs> Have you okay. watched the show? Uh, it sounds vaguely familiar. Celebrity Deathmatch was a claymation That's type right. WWE okay. movie where they would pin celebrity against celebrity, and it was a deathmatch. They would, it was brutal. They would like decapitate each yes. other and stuff. Yes. Hell yeah, it was a good, good show. Um, so what celebrity would I fight? Oh, there's okay. You know who I would fight. Okay. James Woods. James Woods? I would fight James okay. Woods. He's been, he's become such a piece of trash on Twitter and just in real life. I used to love him as an actor. I still kind of like his acting. Mm -hmm. Um, enjoyed him in so many films, but he's just a piece of trash human being. And I, uh. Do you think you can he, take he's, him? He's a senior at this point, so I don't know if that would oh, be. Oh, it's not even fair, man. Okay. But let, let's say. Uh, 35 year old James Woods against 35 year old Ryan. Uh, yeah, I'd beat the shit out of him. All right, man. <laughs> what, what about you? Well, as I'm thinking about this question, I'm thinking like, so there are a couple of different ways to approach this, right? Like, would I want to fight someone who I think I could beat? Okay. Or would I want to fight someone because, I don't know, it'd be cool to get the shit beat out of me by this person? Or maybe it would be, you know, kind of fair and it would be a great match. Like, singer, I'm, I'm going for an entertainer, an actor who is not with us anymore. I'm going to go with Chris Farley. <laughs> That would be the fight. Come on! You wouldn't want to fight him? Well, no, I, I wouldn't want to harm a single hair on, on his body. But it would be a fun fight! <laughs> Who would win that fight? Not, I don't know. I think, yeah, Chris, Chris Farley. Chris has got a lot of weight on him. Yeah. But the, if I'm if I'm doing body punches, they wouldn't hurt my fists and as much. And that guy was physically, like, despite his weight, he was physically act like he could do a somersault really well. <laughs> he, he did one on, on, on his entrance on Dave Letterman was a sight to behold. He, he did somersaults down the aisle. Yeah, I think so. My plan B, okay. just you know, he's not around anymore. Let's, I would say maybe Jack Black. <laughs> like that would be, I don't know. That would be fun. That would be fun as hell. You're just going after these overweight no, comedians. <laughs> Come on, have you seen Nacho Libre? Yeah, we get some like oh, so jumping action, <laughs> like wrestling. I don't know, man. It would be that would be fun. So be cool you're you're just looking at the fun. I mean, not not well. I mean, I, beat the shit out of them. I would lose. <laughs> I mean, I don't. Know. 
I would lose to anybody. I like that answer. I, I, Not I, that I, I think it'll be entertaining. I, I like your point of view of just wanting to have fun with the. Whereas my point of view was like, I want. I to literally want to hurt this person. Hurt this, yeah, I want to see this person's face caved in. Oh. Okay. Well, what about historical figure? Okay. Um. Let's see. Um. The historical figure I would like to the shit out of or get beaten by the thinker. Mm-hmm. Do you have one? What about Benjamin Franklin? Why do I keep picking fat people? No offense. <laughs> Jack Black. I keep picking fat people. I bet Benjamin Franklin fights dirty though. Dirty as hell. Like I, I picture him like having a cane or something. <laughs> um. Okay. Historical figure. I would pick another person that I would just like to beat the shit out of that I despise. Um. I would pick Christopher Columbus, and I would say, <laughs> I would say they're not Indians. This isn't India. You piece of shit. Yeah. It would definitely be uh, Cristobal Colon. Good, good choices, I think. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. Are, are, are we gonna be scoring these movies at all, or just scoring? Um, uh, let's say um, one out of five. One out of five. One out of five. What, what should our, our scoring rubric be? Okay. Uh, golden Idols. Golden Idols. Okay, that's good. One out of five Golden Idols. I would give this movie. Um, okay, so I mean the direction is great. I, I love the color. I love the color palettes that David mm -hmm. Fincher uses. I, I love the direction of this movie. The acting is great. The main characters and supporting characters. Um, the story script was well written. Um, I just don't like people taking this movie out of context and interpreting it for their own means. I, mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, this movie for me gets a four out of five Golden Idols. Four out of five. Four out of five. Okay. That's pretty good. Um, <clears throat> I kind of don't like rating movies because it's so subjective. Sure. Um, and it's kind of about taste and just your own interaction with the film. Right. Um, but I will say, and, I, and it's going to be really, really hard for me to ever give a five. It would have to be like, yeah. mm, to give it a five. So I'm going to say three and a half. Just a teeny, like a B, like a B minus. That, that's pretty good. I mean, Is you, that fair? you saw this movie once. I Does it get, is it rewatchable? Like I, I think it you? is. I, the, this may have been my, uh, my, 15th time watching this movie. Yeah, I think it would be really fun to go back and rewatch after knowing the twist. Sure. You know, like, um, to get to see those little Easter eggs, those crumbs of the Grand Julies. Just a you. fun movie. It's, it's got a lot of, you know, the different moments. Uh, Except for the fat scene. You skip past that part. Um, yeah, no, I know. En I, I enjoyed the movie. It was entertaining. The, uh, it is a, a bit of a cerebral movie, and the, the twist is great. So, so yeah, I would give it a real a, a solid B minus B. So I'm gonna say three and a half. All right, so we got a four golden idol and a three and a half golden idol for Fight Club. Why don't we uh, pick next week's movie at this point? Oh God, yeah, I forgot. Um, let's see, hold this up here. You know what? I want to do RoboCop. You want to do RoboCop? Let's do RoboCop. Okay. Is that cool? Yes. Oliver Hoven RoboCop. From what year? 1987. 1987. All right. Is that cool? So assuming that we can procure on a streaming service or something. Well, join us next week where we'll be discussing the movie RoboCop from 1987. And um, I've been one of your hosts, Ryan. And this is Josh. And we'll see you next week. Thanks. Thanks.